Hi everyone, welcome to our broadcast channel today. And our topic is Big Data Price Discrimination, a case study of ride-sharing industry. This broadcast is the final project of course Democratizing Data, Critical Data Studies in Algorithmic Governments at the University of Pennsylvania. My name is Le Shanfeng. My name is Jia Yige. This is Qi Guo. My name is Zhang Zhangjing. Before the discussion, I will give you a brief introduction of our topic and um, a brief analysis of the impacts of big data price discrimination in legislation aspect. First, we are going to uh, talk about the definition. Price discrimination is the practice of change, charging price, different prices to different people for the same goods or services. It is a way for a business to try to maximize sales often by targeting its pricing based on how much different people are willing to pay. It can also be divided into three types, first, second, and third degree price discrimination. And in terms of the definition of big data, it refers to the data set that are too large or complex to be dealt with by traditional data processing application software. Current usage of the term big data tends to refer to the use of predictive analytics user behavior analytics or certain other advanced analytics methods that extract value from big data. The process of using big data in price discrimination is often like this. First, the companies collect information from the consumers, including consumers' location, the time of the day, the characteristic of consumers' computer, for example, the operating system and the browser, and their purchase history. Then they set up a model and adjust it. And finally, they make prediction based on that model. Experiments reported in scientific studies have shown that the use of big data price discrimination, along with sophisticated machine learning, econometric methods cope with consumer status can enable firms to price different individual customers more accurately. This results in a finer-grained price discrimination is often translated into growth in expected profits. And let me give you a case study example of Uber. Uber is a great example of a company using big data price discrimination. You may be familiar with Uber. It is a very fast-growing company that provides a taxi service app that operates in more than 50 countries today. As of 2015, Uber was valued at more than 14 billion by venue capital firms. Part of the reason for the Uber's success is that it's able to be effectively price discrimination between consumers using what is called surge pricing and dynamic pricing. And what Uber does here is when the market demands outstrips available supply, in other words, at peak times, Uber's raised the fare on their app. This encouraged more drivers to take the role which expand the supplies and it also helps to wave down the demand a little bit. And then finally it maximized profit for Uber. The idea is that the company can take advantage of the low price elasticity of demand at busy times. If it is 5 o'clock in the afternoon and lots of people are trying to go home, well, those people aren't really interested in waiting until 6 or 7 p.m. or 8 o'clock at night to get a home. They are willing to pay a higher prices. Now some economists have criticized the 
policy, especially during the emergency, that uh, weather if, uh, some trouble weather events and terrorist attacks are being bad for consumers and maybe being unfair. And there's some validity validity to those concerns, and Uber has responded to those concerns by eliminating surcharge prices during those kind of times. So it is not about the companies taking advantage of consumers. It is instead the company trying to maximize profits in a fair and reasonable way based on consumers' demand. In terms of legislation aspect, although the price discrimination may not violate the law and has been supported by some economics, both companies we choose evolve in, uh, to a legal charge for utilizing illegal ways to collect data for price discrimination. One typical example is Sysask monopolization lawsuit against Uber. Sysask was a transportation company based on based in the United States and it was found a couple of years after Uber but was never able to catch up with it despite the fact that it has a good product built on solid technology and eventually it failed and shut down. Sysask alleged that Uber has engaged in predatory pricing on each of the two sides of the Right hearing market, offering above market incentive payments for drivers and offering below market fares to passengers. Allegedly, Uber has, at least in some circumstances, price is rise below the cost that pay drivers and have lost billions of dollars in the process. According to Sidecar, Uber's strategy is premised on the goal of establishing a monopoly and wrapping the reward of super competitive monopolist pricing in order to recoup early losses. Uber would recoup the losses it had occurred, says our alleged, by lowering payments to drivers and raising fears for passengers. Uber has also engaged in what such cars characterize as price discrimination after it occupied the market by predatory pricing, initially using surge pricing to set higher prices in terms of higher demand, and later by banning pricing to set different prices for different users based on factors including the user's perceived price sensitivities and the ability to pay. Compared to Uber, DD, the Chinese version of Uber, which occupied the largest percentage of market in China, fears a more severe situation. On July 21st, DD was charged 8 billion yuan for illegal collections of personal information to maximize its profit through the way of price discrimination. According to the investigation in China, DD has a total of 16 illegal facts, including illegally collect 12 million of screenshots from users' mobile phone albums, excessive collection of 8.3 billion of pieces of users' keyboard information and application illicit information, 106 million pieces of fair recognition, face recognition information and 53 million pieces of age information with 16 million pieces of occupation information. Uh, well, I have a question. Like, uh, apart from the case study examples, could you please explain the inadequacies of current law in, uh, in United States? Well, if we go in further to analyze the issue in a general way, we can find the inadequacies of current laws in the United States and the urgent request to amend the law. The current antitrust laws are not allowed to directly prohibit price discrimination, but to regulate the firm's power on pricing in the economics. In the book called Big Data Price Discrimination and Antitrust Law, written by Ransmi Woodwalk, 
The author mentioned the concept of power formulation and erosion. The price discrimination becomes more severe if the stock is high, and the stock is determined by the rate of power formulation and erosion. If the rate of formulation is higher, more large companies form than erosion. More monopolistic companies, more power on pricing. The consumer welfare will reach zero eventually without policy intervention. Current antitrust laws make uh, almost no attempt to reduce the rate of erosion, and in consequences, it failed to bring the rate of formulation below the rate of erosion and appears, in, in fact, to be allowing the power to increase at present. And other typical inadequacy of current law can be found in the Robinson Patman Act, which is a federal law intended to prevent price discrimination. The law prevents distributors from charging different prices to various retailers. The Robinson Patman Act requires a business to sell its products at the same prices regardless of who the buyer is. It is intended to prevent large value buyers from gaining the advantage over small value buyers. The act only appears to interstate trades and constrain a specific exemption for the cooperative association. It only appears to the sales of tangible goods and are complete within a reasonably close time frame and where the goods are sold with similar quality. The act does not apply to the provision of services such as cell phone services, cable television and real estate list. And the act has been widely criticized by economists and legal scholars for its narrow scope and its lack in protection on consumers. And that's basically the problem we face in the legislation aspect. Well, thanks, Le Shen. Uh, I will continue to introduce the economic impact of price discrimination in right-hailing market. So, in the economic uh, market, uh, when we mention the impact, we often need to think through two part market participants, the consumers and the producers. So, the measurement of consumer is always their welfare, while the producer or the platform here is measured by its profit. Here, I choose two most representative companies in ride-hailing market, Didi and Uber. So, both of them are a monopolistic platform in China and in the United States. However, they apply different price discrimination strategies. Didi used second degree, while Uber used the third degree price discrimination. Well, that uh, sounds like fantastic ideas. So, uh, Guo Qi, would you mind to uh, explain a little bit more about what is second degree price discrimination and what is uh, third degree price discrimination? Sure. So the se third second degree price discrimination occurs when a company charges a different price for different quantities consumed. Well, thir third degree price discrimination occurs by identifying groups of consumers that have similar demands and can segment them based upon some characteristic like age, gender, and other demographic data, which relies on subscribing and utilizing the big data. Um, I will briefly state the strategy behind each company in order to analyze its impact. So Didi provides consumers uh, with different service uh, quantity under different prices by offering tipping choices. Uh, since the tips direct go to the driver's pocket, 
Adding tips makes the request more attractive to drivers and thus increases the probability of securing the right service. Thus, the consumers will be willing to tip different amounts to maximize their own utility. So in this model, for the platform profit, it is related to consumers' valuation distribution. So when the consumer's valuation distribution is concave, fully uh, discriminational price generates higher profit than the uniform price. When it is convex, then the uh, discriminationary price generates lower profit than the uniform price. Well, for the consumer, uh, studies found that uh, allowing ride-sharing company to price discriminate improves travelers' welfare on average by increasing their travel options. Now we come to the Uber case. Uh, in the article, Does Uber Benefit Travelers by Price Discrimination? The author used the Uber fare data for passenger trips from Los Angeles, New York, and San Francisco airports to hotels uh, in those metropolitan areas to test whether the Uber engaged in third-degree price discrimination by charging higher fares to travelers who originate from the same airports as other travelers but who stay at more expensive hotels. They found that the fares are positively uh, significantly related to the price of the hotel rooms. Importantly, they also find that allowing the ride-sharing company to price discriminate improves the traveler's welfare and the platform by expanding the travel options for travelers and by increasing the utilization of drivers. Besides economic impact, uh, price discrimination in ride-hailing market also have other impact. Jiayi, would you uh, tell us more about the ethic impact? Yeah, sure. Well, apart from the uh, economic impacts, ethical issue is another concern that we need to think about when applying big data price discrimination. Price discrimination, to some extent, promotes equality. It can be seen from two perspectives. First, the welfare equality. If under a unified price, people who have willingness to pay higher than the unified price will gain a welfare surplus. But under personalized price, everyone obtains the same welfare since they are paying exactly as their willingness, uh, willingness to pay, thus realize the welfare equality, meaning no one is better off with actual welfare. Another is the distributional equality. Uh, it can be explained this way. If people are paying a unified price, wealthier population will be able to afford more resources. But if price discrimination is implemented, wealthier people can consume less and the poor people can afford more, dragging the two populations towards a middle point. However, there are also a lot of concerns that come with big data price discrimination. First, we can categorize the situation into non-transparent and transparent. If the price discrimination rule and the existence is non-transparent, it will lead to the problem of uh, deception. Consumers have the right to be informed of such pricing mechanisms, and there are laws to protect consumers from such situation. Nevertheless, even if it is made transparent, ethically speaking, big data price discrimination can still be problematic. One of the most distinctive issues is that with big data price discrimination, consumers no longer have a say in willingness to pay. It is predetermined by the algorithm that firm design. The problem of this is that it changes the 
firm customer dynamic. Traditionally, price is determined by demand and supply. Customers can always choose to switch to another alternative if the price is undesirable, which counterbalances the price-setting power of firm. However, if big data price discrimination is implemented, the option of non-discriminated price no longer exists. Customers are forced to accept such price. Well, sounds great. So I have a question, Jiayi. So in terms of social segregation, can you give us an example of what kind of impact would big data price discrimination have? Well, excellent question. I was just about to mention this. Well, another issue is that big data price discrimination exacerbates social segregation by assigning different prices to different people. It is basically saying that you are poor so you can pay less. It monetizes people's social status and standing. And in addition, some doubts are costed towards the argument that price discrimination increases socials, a society's total welfare. It is shown in the economic theory. If personalized price is applied, the total welfare will increase. However, the reason behind this is that co consumer surplus is fully exploited by the producer. It is saying that the total surplus increment is at the expense of consumer. Moreover, in the long run, big data price discrimination might actually do harm to the social welfare because uh, companies may try to identify consumers' willingness to pay better and then engage in constant pursuit of technology improvement. Therefore, possible inefficient investment in technology could occur. Well, thank you very much, Yayi. That sounds a fantastic uh, description. Um, the next, we can talk about what could be done in order to improve the situation, uh, or in other words, what's the solutions, or in more particular, uh, can we make any, any interventions to improve the situations uh, of big data uh, discrimi price discrimination? Um, so, so far, I would like to discuss uh, two main solutions that I believe uh, could be significantly improve the situation. Um, the first solution could be government intervention. Uh, which is the most conventional way of uh, intervening this type of situation. So the government as the public institution that people put in trust to enforce the law and promote equalities and fairness in the society, uh, therefore would be a fantastic first choice uh, to make any interventions. Uh, here are some advantages and disadvantages that we think of um, that is for government interventions in this situation. So for the advantages for government interventions that uh, it can significantly increase the government oversight, um, which is uh, significant in the issue since the government has the law enforcement power and in many cases the, the lawmaking and the judiciary power in, in, over the situation. Uh, and secondly is that the government can create dedicated agencies uh, for the specific issues uh, since the government is the one who has the resources uh, to deploy uh, which leads to our third advantages, which is professional investigations. So the governments can hire specific personnel and professionals uh, to dig into deep uh, of these specific companies and uh, to look into the issues of price discriminations uh, and other related uh, issues that they, the, the company use the big data uh, to bully the customers. However, there's also some disadvantages for the government intervention. The first one, notably, is corruption of the government. Um, there's uh, two main corruptions that I would like to discuss here. The first one is lobbying. So, for example, in the United States, uh, it is legal for the corporations to hire or spend a lot of money in lobbying the politicians in Congress or even the highest office in the White House. Um, this lobbying could uh, significantly uh, hinder the process of government interventions uh, since the politicians could screw the investigations or screw the policies in favor of the corporations rather than to the general public. Since the general public usually does not have the organizing power to, to have an amount of resources for lobbying. 
Um, the second type of corruption is revolving door, which is specific government uh, dedicated agencies. Um, uh, the top officials, uh, they decided to take a job offer after they retired of their public uh, post. Um, this could create a potential conflict of interest uh, since these regulators are tasked to monitor these companies to make law enforcement and it is uh, sometimes reasonable to assume they might turn a blind eye in certain situations since they won't get a job offer after they retire from the government agency. And the second disadvantages would be government bureaucracy. Um, since the government is a very complicated institutions where there are different departments that need to cooperate and coordinate in different situations, um, and then there's also a string of process of, uh, of particular orders come from the top to the bottom. So there might be encountered some government bureaucracy during the enforcement process, which could hinder or slow down the process significantly. And the third disadvantages would be the potential limitations for company development. Uh, this would be a free market argument where uh, the government might excessively uh, regulate the companies uh, or just cut uh, has a one cut policy which essentially uh, cut off the uh, company's uh, business, regular business model which could uh, potentially hinder the uh, growth of the industry. And the fourth one would be uh, lack of public engagement. Uh, since we study here in social policies, that we want more public engagement in a social policy lens. Uh, we also would like the stakeholders to get more involved rather than just the government uh, doing the job alone. Uh, this will just lead us to the second solution, which is the stakeholder intervention. Um, the advantage of the stakeholder getting involved is it significantly in increase the public environment, uh, involvement. Uh, where the public general public could have a chance or through some form of channels to influence the company directly, um, which could uh, also help the government to uh, to make other to or help the government to also enforce um, the uh, certain regulation that's necessary for the companies. Um, the second advantages would be giving the people who are affected more voice. So usually, when people who are affected personally with their situations, they tend to be more involved with the situation, uh, such as the uh, the Uber users who got price discriminated, or even the drivers who also got, uh, get price discriminated, or other related stakeholders who are impacted negatively in a certain way. So this could significantly improve the base of the people who are involved in the situations, and also improving quality of the societies, giving more voice and equal voice uh, to this particular situation. However, there's also notable disadvantages of the stakeholder intervention. The first disadvantage is the lack of professional support. So not all stakeholders are uh, professions in, their, in these related fields. So for example, in the field of data science, in the field of social policy, or even in the uh, field of company regulations in general. Therefore, uh, the stakeholder intervention alone would lack professional support, which fails to have a concrete argument in court or other situations uh, in order to further proceed the process. And the second disadvantage will be lack of dedicated resources. So usually the stakeholders, uh, they are pretty scattered and uh, lack of a centralized uh, organize, uh, organizing department uh, to organize all the resources. Uh, therefore, we cannot rely on uh, individual uh, stakeholders to dedicate a significant amount of resources on this particular issue. Um, therefore, the lack of dedicated resources from the stakeholders could also uh, be a potential problem for uh, the enforcement of different policies. And the third disadvantages would be who should be considered as the stakeholders. Um, this is also a big uh, social policy lens of issues since that uh, there's a different group of stakeholders, let's say the drivers, the users, or different type of users uh, who should be considered as the stakeholders or even some people who get, uh, let's say in the Uber employees or even the shareholders or different type of um, different uh, group of people in the society that's involved in the issue. So who should be considered? And which leads us to the second question that should all stakeholders have equal voices? 
Um, there's also another big problem in public policy, uh, since that different state groups are influenced differently in a different way. So how can we give a voice for each one of them in an appropriate way? How do you take care of the marginalized community? Well, thank you, Lewis, and I think this is a fantastic question, uh, particularly when I mentioned the solution. So actually, when I uh, mentioned the solutions uh, just recent, just previously uh, regarding solution to stakeholder intervention, uh, is how do we make sure that uh, the marginalized community also have equal voices? So that's a significant discussion that we want to look into in the social policy uh, lens. So the marginalized community uh, could be the community who are lack of uh, access, the ability of accessing resources, such as accessing the uh, Uber driving services, or it could be the communities that is traditionally disadvantaged. Um, so this is clearly create a challenge for how to create, to make all stakeholders get involved or even have uh, equal voices. Um, so some of the solutions that could be is to establish a specific committee uh, in order to gather all type of stakeholders and where we can leave uh, similar to the uh, affirmative action, we can leave a certain seats to the marginalized community uh, to make sure they can also make a significant voice in the process. Or uh, we can also get the government involved where the government agencies could actively reach out to this marginalized committee uh, and make sure their voices are heard. Uh, yeah, General, I have another question for you. Um, how do you get stakeholders involved in the process? Uh, that's also a fantastic question, and I will also want to clarify for the solution to stakeholder interventions. So how can we get specifically in stakeholder uh, get involved? So the examples um, could I can, I can use is, let's say, how the car manufacturing companies in Germany, how to get their stakeholders get involved. So it used to be the shareholders make all the decisions. However, when the German government uh, implement a law where the workers uh, can also uh, get on seat on the board, uh, that significantly improve the workers' working condition. So the same theory apply here. So you, we can get um, the specific the specific uh, stakeholders sit on the board. Let's say give them a certain voting rights in the process. You can also put uh, pressure on the company management to improve the process. Uh, and additionally, another example that I would like to make is the co-op model in the United States. So the co-op business is essentially uh, the consumers have the uh, is essentially the board of directors of this particular business. Um, which in this case would be the Uber riding share users. So that if the users can also uh, take a part of a share of the companies uh, or the company can dedicate a specific amount of shares or voting powers to the users, the users can also use their abilities on the voting shares uh, to influence the company management directly and put pressure on them as well. In this way, that could significantly change the uh, policies of, of, uh, and also the situation of these big corporations. Well, uh, I will going to give a brief summary about this episode. Uh, firstly, we introduced the topic of big data price discrimination and its mechanism, and then we discussed the impacts of big data discrimination in terms of economics, ethics, and legality. Finally, we gave out some suggestions and solutions on how to improve the data governance. Well, that will be all for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye.